You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, Voice Assistance, just say listen to After The Show Movie Podcast, and you can also find us on ascully.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ascully and Sitok. Good, uh, happy new year. Not good, happy new year. Well, good new year. Good new year be good as well, right? Thank you, thank you. Happy new year, new year to the listeners. Would you like to tell everyone what I was doing at midnight? Sleeping. <laughs> I said, it's new year, and you said, I'm sleeping. Wait, we Don't were sitting on up. the couch, watching something, and <laughs> at I, 10 after 12, I think you looked over and said, no, it wasn't 10 after 12. It was right on when the fireworks... It was right on midnight. I was a time warp. Though. I was watching something and you'd fell asleep. <laughs> and I said, Happy New Year. And like put my hand over near you. And you said, Don't wake me up. I'm sleeping. <laughs> I said, okay. What happens when you've been alive for 52 New Years? <laughs> but anyway, I wished you a Happy New Year. Thank you. And then you wished me one and fell right back asleep. I was comfy. I was cozy. Come on. Isn't that the dream? <laughs> when you're 20 something, the dream is to have the wildest freaking new year that you barely remember. And now I want the calmest one that I can probably next week will be like, I'm not sure. Were we on the couch? Did I fall asleep? So it's the yeah. same thing, no matter how old you get. All right, before the after the show discussion, so 2020, we're going to keep the format, correct? We're not going to change anything because part of the before the after the show discussion was me saying, I think I'll ditch the advice part because I'm running out of things to say. And most people will be like, oh, my God, she's so full of shit. But you said, oh, but some people, that might be why they're listening. I don't think that's true, but well, okay, me, I'll stick with it. Let that. me say, I've listened to podcasts myself and they've, and they've just ditched a certain part that I really liked. And I'm like, where's that part gone? I like that part. Yeah, not, so that your just... part's, not that your part's great or good. Or... Oh, thank you. <laughs> The only thing I'm going to change is when we get to the recommendations, I'll explain that when the time comes. So, Sid Talk, you salty old sea dog. (laughs) So, it's Saturday, January the 4th, 2020. Happy New Year. It's after the show 615. We're a movie review podcast where we look at a movie. And the first movie of 2020 is The Lighthouse. It's a 2019 movie. Releases on Blu-ray this upcoming Tuesday, January the 7th. You'll be able to pick it up. Rated R. And it's from our friends at A24 and Lionsgate, who sent us a copy of the Blu-ray for review. Sid Talk no. will give you... No, no, no. You'll, she'll there's, give you the synopsis. No synopsis. <laughs> and then I'll give you the one off the box. There's no synopsis for this movie. All right, I'll just There's a the lighthouse the and two dudes. Possible mythological weirdness or mental health issues. Okay. Is that what it says on the box? It says, from Robert Eggers, the visionary filmmaker behind the modern horror masterpiece The Witch, comes this hypnotic and hallucinatory tale of two lighthouse keepers, Willem Dafoe and Robert Patterson, on a remote and mysterious New England island in the 1890s. 
As an approaching storm threatens to sweep them from the rock and strange apparitions emerge from the fog, each man begins to suspect that the other has become dangerously unmoored. Yeah, that's not what I said. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There so is no way to describe this. Let's, yeah, and I don't think we could spoil it either. No, but, you know, we knew nothing. I assume you knew nothing. I knew nothing. No, I just knew that Willem Dafoe was in it. Right. And I knew it was by the director of The Witch, because I'm a fan of The Witch. All right, so let me say, uh, let's start with The Lighthouse. Um, first, Sid Talk, did you like The Lighthouse? That's a small, that's just a... Um, it's hard to say like. I, hmm, how do you describe it? I, if you say you enjoy it, like that doesn't exactly cover it, because it's weird, right? Can I, can I describe it? If I was to describe it as this, would you agree? Let me see. I feel, um, watching it, I enjoyed it, right? But I feel like it is a very challenging movie. You enjoy the challenge. I feel like it's challenging to watch, and there's a whole lot of... It might be a whole lot of nothing. Like, when it's finished, I'm like, was that a movie that wasn't really about anything? (laughs) Or was that a movie with tons of hidden meaning that I might have got some of it? Because when it ended, I said to you, I... I said, oh, I see what was going on there. And you said, I didn't get none of that stuff. No, I didn't get any of that, yeah. But I made, you know, I've watched David Lynch and things like that. And I kind of, I kind of try and, I'm like, okay, this isn't linear. Well, linear is not the correct word. What is it? It's it's not typical. It's not a, it's not a three act story or anything. No, no. It's a, it's kind of, like it said on the back of there, like a hallucination a bit. When you finished it, you're like, whoa. I said to you, I felt like I was actually going mad myself during the movie. There's a noise of a foghorn that's like always in the movie, nearly always. It made me feel like I was going mad Hmm. because it's quiet and then there's this. Well, that's the foghorn. Yeah. And then it keeps going off. And then eventually... I got to the point where I didn't even hear it anymore because it was so regular going off. And then there were points where it was louder than the movie on purpose to make you go, oh my God, this these people are going crazy. Um, but I feel like it was challenging to watch. It's challenging, but it's inter- it's entertaining in that way to me. So to say it's entertaining uh-huh. also is weird because... <laughs> I really like weird though, personally. It, it, yeah, and it's confusing you're there's no sure footing here i mean other than you're on at a lighthouse we guess because there's one line in the movie where he says you're not even here you're just wandering in the woods freezing to death yeah he does say that so then you're like oh i didn't even occur to me and there's nothing no other reference to that whatsoever so it's it could be anything i think what is different about people like you and i we can sit you can watch fast and the furious and love it i can watch What's a, you know, um, hocus pocus and be like completely in love with it. The most linear, straightforward, beginning, middle, end. Commercial. Cut out cardboard characters. You know, I mean, the whole, the formula. Yeah. And be totally in love with it. Or we can sit and watch this and be like, mm, what's the word? Befuddled? <laughs> Confused? And it's very stimulating. 
It's like, oh, am I just not getting it? I understood that I was not getting some references that the director, the writer, and these other people were. In my opinion, it's a bit pretentious to stuff references to or use references of things like you were mentioning ancient Greek yeah. and mythology and things like that, that of course not every single person's going to get. And so it sort of makes the snotty people go, oh, of course that's the reference to this or that or the other. Well, I'm sitting there thinking, do I just not get this? But that doesn't bother me. And I don't mind not quite feeling right. It has a bunch it. of um, Greek mythology, like iconography. Like there's a scene with the, the only scene in the movie where Willem Dafoe is completely nude, right? Yeah. The way that is framed and the way that looks is actually from a drawing that right. people... Just a piece of artwork. Yeah. So yeah. like there are, there are direct things like that where I... Got it? Because I've seen that before, but you might have not but seen it. But then you're it. like, is that that because that's real? Yeah. <laughs> Am I actually seeing the Poseidon or whatever he is? Like, uh, am the- I or not? But that doesn't bother me. Now, it's because this movie's all in. It totally goes all in with the confusion and you don't exactly know what's going on. It's committed to that. Other yep. movies that... I've complained about where it's like they're sort of half in, half out, and it's just sort of a tease what they're doing. That pisses me off. That I think is bad storytelling. Can when you're you actually, name a movie like that? Um, like The Village. Uh, The Village. No, Village is pretty straightforward. It's pretty mainstream as well, I guess. Really, I mean, it's not mainstream, obviously, but it has a little twist. But then once the twist is revealed, you're like, oh, I get it. I mean, like, um. Anything that leaves, like you say, you don't care if we don't find out like the origins of, say, you know, a creature or a bad guy or something. Just like let it be. And I, yeah. you always say, I have to have all the yeah, answers. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. But it's not that I have to have all the answers for every story. Some stories just dangle that that absence of explanation in front of you as if that's good writing, and it is not. This one, it just is what it is. It's yeah. like, oh, 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 you know what I'm saying? And I'm fine with that. Yeah. And this movie, like, it doesn't, like, it, it poses a bunch of questions that it doesn't ever really answer. It's one of those type of movies. You might be unsatisfied if you're the type who needs narrative to completely make sense. Right? Because it does go, it's pretty nuts mm. in the middle of, when the movie, well, these people start to go nuts. And when they do start to go nuts, the movie is nuts. There are there is there's a scene where they're just yelling at each other drunk for like a, a, it seemed like a long time. No, it's just a couple minutes. And but it seemed very like it it makes you feel a bit nuts because you're like, what is this? Where are we going? And it doesn't ever really go anywhere during those. Yeah, scenes. I know what you're saying about wondering afterwards, like, oh, did I just watch? Did I just watch the most empty thing ever? Or did I watch the most filled with stuff? I need to watch it again. But you could say that about Tree of Life. Yes. Because it has that, there's, it's, there's two things sort of winding around each other, like a broken marriage and a bad childhood. And then like the origins of all life, kind of like all mingling in there together. And when you're done with it, you're like, oh God. This almost has like. Or even like Magnolia, dare I say. It's about love and loss and everything, but what's the actual, like, other than a tour de force and feeling fucking miserable for an hour and a half, what is it, the end, you know what I mean, Mm. that you 
what's the story we're well, being told? It, well, it does have a whole point to it, doesn't it? It's about regret. Is it, though? See, that's your yeah, interpretation. Like is, yeah. You feel like it is because you're in love with it. But I'm just saying, you could get done with that movie and be like, oh, my God. That's like every bad thing I've ever felt. And now what? You know? Yeah. But this movie has, um, uh, let me say, we didn't explain. Um, it's black and white, this movie, first off. Second off, it's four by three ratio. Or one to 1.9, as yeah. the guy liked to say. I mean, and it makes it look like an old movie, like, like something... I was watching it and I was thinking, yeah, this on our big projector, you know, it looks like we're watching an old projected movie, right? Like it actually looks old. But then the the soundtrack, the actual audio is like cutting edge state of the art, like surround. I, I, I almost I was like, I almost felt while I was watching it. I wish they'd have made like the audio mono and sound really scratchy, like it doesn't surround mm. you. But then again, this movie's sound really does envelop you. But I think it might have worked the other way, too, where it actually does feel like an old-timey movie. Like something from 1800 and... No, 1890. Did we 18, have film in 1890? 1881. Uh, we're skirting around it. Yeah. But, you know, because it has, like, this cutting-edge soundtrack with awesome surround sound, like, foghorns going off, and you, you feel like you're in the middle of a storm, like you're in the, you're in the lighthouse, but you can hear the storm outside all over the place. Um, so... There was that kind of... Did you think the black and white and the square, squarish aspect ratio did anything for it? Yes, like it- I absolutely loved looking at it. Now, I have to give this caveat because, or this whatever you want to say for it, I've been learning photography. I've always done artwork, learning photography over the last year or so now, year and a bit. And... um understanding a little bit more about like when you're just looking at the screen and you see it in black and white. Now I'm looking at like, wow, but how did they get really dark blacks and that really nice highlight on the side of his face, but then the back of his hair is lit up and I'm not, I'm not fixated on it, but it's beautiful. There are times when I'm just like, wow. And let's give a nod to these people who are making TV shows lately and movies that are just too freaking dark to even see because why they think it's artistic or something. I don't know. This movie's dark. You're in a lighthouse with a lantern. Most of the with a lantern, maybe window <laughs> light. It's supposed to be set in 1881. It's going to be dark in there. It's not like, you know, fluorescent lighting for everybody. And yet you can see exactly what you need to see. It doesn't. Yeah. It isn't like black a, and white does that, doesn't it? It, it if you do it well, yeah. I mean, the, you you can see when he does, like, the different contrasts for different reasons. You know, sometimes it's kind of grayish. The beginning is more gray, and then as you get on through the movie, you notice it's a lot more dark blacks and whites. You know what I mean? Like, actual... Because yeah. we say black and white movie. It's not, is it? It's gray. Yeah. Monochrome. <laughs> it's many shades of gray, yeah. I just thought it was beautiful. And I, I was fixated sometimes... On how it looked. And I was glad for the weird scenes that kind of lingered. Because then I was like, oh, I really like the way that looks. It's just gorgeous. So They actually, um, they did use a modern film camera, Panavision. It's actually filmed on film. There's no digital going on. But they actually got some lenses from a museum that were from very early 1900. And they used those lenses... But then created like a, a filter that you put, you know about this, because when they put a filter over the lens, right, mm-hmm. they showed you, like, um, they, they developed a filter that made the modern camera look like a camera from 
the uh, 1900s, how the how it would look in black and white. And I think they succeeded on every level uh, on how it looks. FYI, the first motion picture was 1880, or it was being developed in 1880. Right, so that's what they were trying to go for. And they got it, didn't they? And, the look of what it would have been. And, and, you know, it's a cliche when people say, well, when I you... I mean, it wasn't like film film. We're talking about photography was kind of in full swing, and we were on the cusp right. of actual moving, moving pictures. pictures. Yeah, 1888. It looks like, as I look on the old internet. Actually, um... Uh, that's when they did that. I mean, you know the one where the horse is running, and they've got yeah. the... That's when that was, well, 1888. So here's the thing. I played the, I played the game Red Dead Redemption, and uh, that takes place in 1892, I believe. Mm. And there is a movie theater with moving images on it. I mean, they're very rudimentary. Right. So, so that stuff was happening. Oh, yes. I'm looking at uh, 1890s now in film, and there are a few. Yeah. Um, These people do their research. So also they, go, the, they go on Wikipedia, just like me. The other thing about the aspect ratio, people say, oh, it makes it more claustrophobic and makes the... A lighthouse is super claustrophobic, right? You're in a very thin mm-hmm. building. I felt that worked too. Because you could see that they purposely frame shots with people, with these two, like, very close to each other a lot. Like, it wasn't the... You know, because they obviously haven't got the room to play with. So if they're eating dinner, they're right up on each other. Like, it's not much of a distance between them. I mean, I think because I know that's what they're trying to accomplish, it doesn't work on me. Right. So it doesn't. I I, I can feel the intention of the 4x3S. Well, it's not 4x3, but the 1x1x9 aspect ratio is almost a square, so we're squishing everything in. That's intentional. It says um, on the back, 1x19x1. One 1x19x1. One one. One, one. Is the a action. one nine. Okay. Yeah. It's very little difference. So it's almost a square. Yeah. More than four by three. Um, so I'm I'm aware of that as a creative choice. So then the claustrophobic part doesn't work as well because it's a very physical, intentional cramming together of the picture and then intentionally going close in on them where they're right in, filling the frame instead of like standing over here on the edge of the room, seeing them at the table 10 feet away where it wouldn't appear. So it all felt very forced to me, but I understood what they were doing. So then it didn't quite work on me. Even when they're in the lighthouse, like at the stairway and stuff, I still didn't feel it really because it's obvious the, they don't the, have a lot of room. There's an actual shot in this, which was done practically. It looked like it's not a CG shot. But well, it looks like they pull that massive camera up the entire lighthouse, bottom to top, like with, on a winch, really slowly. And it and it, as it's going up, like it, sometimes something is in front of it and it goes black, and then you yeah, it's really cool. And then it goes right up to the top. Yeah, that was an amazing shot. I like the cinematographer of this. I think it was really well done. There was a lot of interesting shots. There was a lot of like when you see the outside of the lighthouse on the beach and all the weather coming up. I don't know if that was CG or it was just terrible weather. It looked like it was terrible weather, actually. It did, yeah. From the they built a lighthouse out of wood, and they put it on the Nova Scotia shoreline, and they filmed the thing in that lighthouse, which is crazy. Like in the terrible weather, (laughs) and I was just reading that the people who live there they love the lighthouse so much they petitioned to keep it after they'd gone, but they weren't allowed to because it was just made out of wood and it was dangerous. Because it would blow away eventually. Oh, really? Yeah. They wanted to keep it because it looked so nice. Um, so 
the story itself, like I said to you earlier, it's a, you know, two men go to a lighthouse. They're supposed to be there for four weeks. It's the 1890s. And... 1881. Yeah. Why does it say 1890s on the box? I don't know. The book he was reading... Well, I mean, the book that they refer to in the the book that he actually has... It says 1890. That makes sense, then. The book they have in the actual lighthouse that he looks at is the uh, Lighthouse Operator's Guide from 1881. Right. So, obviously, it could have been there for 10 years. So, yeah. Fair enough. So... They're in. They're in the lighthouse. Supposed to be there for four weeks. They, the two guys do four their months. Four weeks. It said. Oh, I thought he said four. No, months. No, just four weeks, and then it got extended to six. I'm pretty sure he said months. No, he didn't say months. He said weeks. Well, the two guys do a shift in the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Four weeks, four months. I think he said four weeks, though. I really do. Um, I don't think so, but I'll go with whatever you're saying, and I won't believe you. Because <laughs> he said four weeks. Because he said. It did say four weeks, because when they were talking, he said, we've been here four weeks, and it was like the last night. No, he said, the last night that they're standing on the thing, and then the boat didn't come, spoiler, and then the guy's under the impression it's still that day, and he says to him, since that day has been four weeks, Oh, and you've been asking me every day, and saying every day, and he's like, no, that's all right." So they, so All right, so back to the point. They... Two guys go to a lighthouse for four months. <laughs> Sounds like a joke. That's what they're supposed to do. <laughs> so that's how it worked back in the day. This is like not fake. They sent two men in to, to man the lighthouse because it has to be manned. And then... What they, do they do now? People live in them now, right? Like they Don't actually even, Do they still have lighthouses? Yeah, of course they do. They still have them. That aren't like remotely operated and shit? Oh, I don't know about that. Hmm. Because they still need to be... Yeah, you're right. Why does why does somebody have to be in one now? If you can just um, type. <laughs> if you can just, you know, turn it turn it on. But there, again, somebody would have to be in it. Because what happens if the bulb goes True. out? Or, the, or, you know. Anyway, these guys, four months in a lighthouse together. Two, two men. <clears throat> How and it's not... And- it's not just a normal lighthouse. This is a post where it's a tiny island, like, out in the ocean or something. Like, it's miles and miles. It's not like on the... It's not on the corner of a piece of land. You are out on a tiny little island way out in the middle of nowhere. And then, and his thing and says he says, I just found out that the further out you go, the more you get paid. So this isn't a kind of place where you can just walk. Because a lot of lighthouses are just out on the tip of, yeah. like, a cliff. And you're still connected to the whole land, right? This is not. This is an isolated, you have no way off. They have no boat. They have a little tiny... Yeah, the sea's too rough to go anywhere anyway. Yeah. So they go there, and then slowly they start going mad, basically. Because... That's the implication. Yeah, because it's pretty harsh. The two personalities clash, obviously. One's an old salty sea dog who talks like one. And the other guy's a bit younger and, you know, Willem Dafoe's character is very bossy, right? He's like, <laughs> he, he doesn't re- actually do a lot himself. Didn't seem like it. He seems to just use this young dude to do all the work. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, uh, event you could see like the animosity was building up, wasn't it? Like, you know, like even right from the very beginning. I was going to say, it moved a little quickly in that direction. But then yeah. I thought, well, this person might just be extra impatient. Didn't know what he was getting into. Yeah. 
And then, you know, there was like this movie, even though it's a very artsy movie, it also it has some it's not afraid to be like funny at, at times. There's this this I know you'll say you 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 don't think fart things are funny, but no. there's there's farting jokes basically in here. But it's just one of the annoyances, like Willem Dafoe just farts. Like he doesn't give a crap, he just farts whenever he needs to fart, right? But this other it just really gets on this guy's nerves. Like we just keep seeing him unraveling a bit. But then you're like, which which one's actually unraveling? Was there a part of the movie where you were like, which one's going mad? It might just be one of them. Or it could be both of them. Kind of. There was a point where I was like, hmm. There was a point where I was a little bit wondering if we were going into Fight Club territory. Yeah. yeah oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I did think that too. I did think <laughs> you of know, like, I mean, you think of everything minute. when you're Once watching. we find out their names, then I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but who knows? It still may be. I don't know. And you do think of everything when you're watching a movie that seems to be a riddle. You do think, oh, well, I've seen other movies that are kind of like a riddle. Yeah, you're trying to solve this puzzle <laughs> constantly, kind yeah. of, in your mind, which is part, probably why it's stimulating. But then at some point, you just go along with it. <laughs> yeah, because the riddles... You wouldn't, you probably won't solve the riddle, because I don't feel like I solved it even after watching the entire thing. I don't feel like I have a full handle on what happened. Because no. some of it is, it could be inside the mind of of them. It could be real. <laughs> you know, the lighthouse could, like I said to you, the lighthouse could be the enemy of the whole thing. Like the, or it might not be at all. It, it might be man, man, man. So you versus, made up the whole thing about the lighthouse being an, uh, some kind of living thing. That was just something. You, see, you felt the that vibe. was something that I pieced together in my mind that. The light at the top of the lighthouse. Spoilers. If this is, in fact, a spoiler, it probably isn't. There's a light at the top of the lighthouse. Willem Dafoe's character spends a lot of his time up at the top of the lighthouse doing his job, which actually seems to me like it's nothing. He's not actually doing anything up there apart from looking into the the light. light, Yeah, (laughs) being a little hypnotized by the light. The light obviously has some kind of effect on people. And... When the when Robert Patterson's character's like, why do I never do the light? And I just do all the chores and you do the light. He's like, well, no, I'm the senior. You know, I do the light. And it's almost like, well, why, why, why is he not wanting to do the light? Is it so good looking into the light and yeah, he doesn't exactly. want to share it with him? Or is it so bad that he doesn't want to ruin him? You know, you, you don't know. But then you do see Robert Pattinson look into the light. But then you're still not sure exactly what he was looking at. Are you? You're still not like... Exactly. So there's a lot of that. So if you get frustrated with no answers, you might... I was trying to think, did the witch have the same kind of deal? Like more of a... It was a bit of a tease. You know, you weren't sure, but then... Yeah. Then you're sure. There was like an actual thing towards the end, though. Yeah. Was what was literally like, and this then you're is like, what's happening. Oh, crap. Yeah. This one's more of like, is this stuff happening? you might not get exactly what it is. There's this, you know, Robert Pattinson has a fight with a seagull. That might sound weird. That happens. Mm-hmm. They, not uh, like fisticuffs. No. <laughs> it's pretty, it's not, not good for the seagull, let's say. <laughs> There's all kinds of bizarre things. There's a spoiler. This would be a spoiler. There's a mermaid in this movie. If that... Kind of. Yep. If that makes you think, whoa... 
It's not the Little Mermaid, though. It's nothing like that Disney classic. <laughs> no, she's not quite that charming. <laughs> yeah. it. You know, I, another thing, after, as the credits were rolling, I was like, this was another thing that came to my mind. Is this a horror movie? Hmm. At all, even? Because it's not... I didn't find it scary, I have to say, in any way. I just felt uncomfortable most of the time. Yeah, uncomfortable. And stressed out. Like, it makes you feel stressed out a lot. And there's a lot of, like, filthy stuff, like... Like, shit in a bucket and... A man... Like, him vomiting into the thing. Like, it's uh-huh. a lot of really, like, gross stuff. <laughs> where you're like, ugh. That was nasty. Yeah, the shit in the bucket part was the... I was like, Ugh. yeah, but then it's like you—you're an idiot. You can—you're walking into the wind, and then you flick these bowls of <laughs> shit in the air, and you—we're all laughing because yeah. why? Because you're an idiot. You shouldn't have done that. There's some very funny dialogue too, especially the grilled onions part. If yeah. you watch this movie, it's funny, but then you're just then you're also sort of like depressed. Like, oh, you get to know you have to be with that person so much. Yeah, and it's like, um, like I said to you, it felt like a bit like, um, like a relationship argument. Sure. Like they were actually, I mean, it is a relationship of a sort because they're together and they can't get away from each other. There's some old old timey radio shows that address this. There's some Inner Sanctum and there's like X minus one and some other sci-fi old ones from like the 30s, 40s and 50s where it's this like two men at a Arctic outpost and they've been there for six months and now the storm has kept them there for extra long time. And then it's them also going kind of mad. Right. One guy out in space who's been sent out in space um, to do whatever is like ex- you know, in the future. But he's been out there for like three years by himself. And so what's the di- what's going on in his mind Ooh, like, and his relationship with like the onboard computer? And like this was the like Martian the with them. Um- you know, the Martian with uh Yeah, but this Matt is Dane. more like he had a relationship with the computer. Right. Like, you know, falling in love with her, but she wasn't really there, or was she? You know. So it's not a new kind of a story. No, it's just presented in a different way, this. Uh, I guess with the black and white mm-hmm. and the good perfor- the performances. Let's get on to the cast. Willem Dafoe as Thomas Wake. What do you think of Willem? I mean, he's... He is what he is. He's a salty old sea dog in this. <laughs> he, All, he does a pirate accent, basically. Occasionally. It slips and comes and goes, it's and pretty, so does the other guys. It's pretty interesting, because he's very wordy, and the script is very... It is very. Yeah. Like, lots of words to remember. I was just looking up his quote, um, the big long thing, you know. Hark, yeah, Titan, awesome. hark, bellow, bid your father see king rise from the depths of the fowl and his fury, black waves, blah, blah, blah. And once he kicked in with that and then kept going, it's that, powerful, that was the moment when I was like, wow, he's he's really in it. The other times he has a little bit too much like humor in his eye because he's really having a good time, I think. Oh, I could tell that he scenes. loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know this person, but it felt like that. But I like, I mean, I like him. Sometimes he's a little too weird. Sometimes he's, I don't know, neutral. Uh, nah, he's never neutral, is he? No, he really isn't, and he chooses roles. I think it's similar to Robert Pattinson. He likes odd, challenging roles rather than the, you know, being in a big franchise or whatever. Mm. Uh, Robert, yeah, Willem Dafoe's excellent in this. I reckon, I feel like he will be up for awards in some way just because this is kind of, I feel like it's really unique in a way. I mean, I don't know if that makes for awards, but I guess some people are more easily... Yeah, like, I just feel like... Oh, it's it, so weird. I have to give it an award. I don't think about the weird part, but that 
monologue that he gives is really powerful. Like, even if you don't know what he's on about, there's something very true powerful about the way he delivers it. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> when, it, when it starts coming out of him, you're like, whoa, what the, what's happened? He is what he's, oh, he's something. Yeah. And then Robert Pattinson plays Winslow. Um, also, I'm growing into a big fan of him. We saw him in High Life. Where he was stuck on a space station. With, you remember that one? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was great in this movie. He really like took it on. Like he was just, you know, the, I felt like the part where he, like where he started out. Well, he was pretty serious at the beginning, just a serious type of dude, just doing his job, and then he just started to get. You could see like the edges coming off him, and he was getting, you know, annoyed, and then also going crazy. And but here's what I saw was like, why are you bitching? You took this job. It's 1880s or 1890s. Um, you look like a hard guy. You probably know what you're getting into. Why are you being such a snotty little baby? Well, maybe there was other forces <laughs> at play. We don't know. I know, but what I'm saying is you're seeing this guy struggling and he's having a hard time and he's starting to lose his mind. I'm seeing him like, why are you so weak? Like, is it was it not clear to you when you someone was signing the paper, telling you that this was going to be your job, this was going to be difficult. And yeah, I understand scooping coal and scooping shit and cleaning gears and all that would be very difficult, and they make it look really difficult, but I was zero sympathy for this person. (laughs) And Willem Dafoe treated him like shit the majority of the movie. I mean, I think it was partly like that, (laughs) the thing that we all have heard about and even i my original supervisor as my job wasn't like this guy specifically but he was an old marine guy and you would have thought he hated you like he would talk down to you in certain ways and be like you can't do that what do you think you're doing like this sort of um knock you down and then build you up attitude right so i felt like that's what was going on i don't know he's more about just he was just knocking him down it wasn't much building up well, though, then he would kind of laugh and be like, you're, you know, mm. he'd, I don't know, I saw it differently. Um, and then there's a, the mermaid played by Valeria Caraman. She didn't have any lines. No, it could have been anyone. She was just squeaking on it's, the rocks. It's pretty cool, though, the cinematography that involves her with the close-up on her face. Is, I mean, mm-hmm. she, and, and some, there is some mermaid genitalia in this movie, let me say. You wouldn't know that unless you're really thinking about it or you're very grown up and you're wondering. Uh, you would know that sex. when it showed you it really <laughs> close up and you were like, whoa. I'm not saying it. You wouldn't, unless you're uh, thinking about that. It just does look like fins and floppy skin. There was it a lot look of... like a big fish vagina. Yeah. <laughs> so if you ever wanted to see um, Robert Pattinson get it on with a mermaid. Oh, yeah. This might this be your, your opportunity. This might be your movie. Um this is directed by Robert Eggers. He's only directed one other movie, The Witch. And that which was, you're in love with. I, which, I, which I really loved, yeah. Um, I really do like that movie. Uh, again, that movie commits to what it is. It uses the old-timey language that not everybody might understand in The Witch. You know, you remember? Like, it's the old English yeah. kind of language. And uh, it commits completely to what it is. Oh, yeah. Um, and that's that's what this guy seems to do. Because this movie... It commits to exactly what it is, and it never really veers away from that. It's like, this is our movie. You can tell from the opening. This is what this movie is. And then it sticks to it. My only thing is, and I've never had a taste for this 
particularly going all the way back to Woody, Woody, Woody Harrelson, Woody Allen movies, is that there's a subset of cinema-loving people who are pretentious and snotty and watch movies like this as if they've figured it all out. And, oh, of course, oh, my God, and then discuss every little tiny mm-hmm. symbol and every tiny association with whatever, old whatever. And that feels intentional. That I do not like. Right. I, and, but I do appreciate that it's not for everyone. Yeah, right. Exactly. So I have this split personality when it comes to like I want to see movies that even I can't quite grasp. Oh, I love that there are movies. But I don't like, like this. to feel like it's a person being like, you know, like screw everybody who's an idiot and can't understand my movie. I'm not saying these guys give off that vibe, but actually they don't. They they seem very reasonable. These two guys. Well, we don't hear them really talk about the movie. Right. Yeah, well, you have technical detail. There's a commentary, right? So you'll probably listen yeah. to the commentary. Is there a commentary? I'm excited. Think so. I'm excited. Yeah. There yeah, there is with co writer and director Robert Eggers. Correct. He wrote this with his brother, by the way. The brother was never in it. No, he was not. Is but, there a um, problem with the brother? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, Robert Eggers has definitely got a. Again, with Ari Aster, who did Hereditary and um, Midsummer for A24. This guy's done The Witch and The Lighthouse. Again, they're both, you know, making horror movies, I guess. Again, I wouldn't say this is particularly a horror movie. I think it's more of a... It's like Jacob's Ladder. Have you ever seen that movie? I have not. It's got... It had a, I kept thinking of Jacob's Ladder, and I kept thinking of, like, um, some David Lynch movies, too, where it's a bit out there. You know? Yeah. But it's psychological. It's not really a horror movie because I don't think there's anything... I mean, you could say the whole thing's horrific, the situation. And there is some gore, but not much. I have to say this, though. Like I was telling you after the movie. People who write the stories, even going back to, like I said, those radio shows, and I'm sure there are many books. I don't read a lot of books, but... um, for radio, there are lots of books movies, in the TV world. shows. <laughs> yeah, there <Been> are. <laughs> but people who write stories with a character or characters who are isolated and ultimately go insane because of isolation are people who I think think that's how everyone would react. You don't really see a lot of stories where someone's just like, yep, I've been out here in space by myself for seven years. I'm good, everybody. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. Like, I love it. I'm just doing my job and I'm living alone and I'm cool because there are going to be people like that. And I've always watched these isolated movies and no, I have never been in complete and utter isolation. So I can't, I have no reference for that, but it doesn't scare me. It doesn't look unappealing to me. It doesn't look. It looks pretty unappealing being in this lighthouse. We're going to put with the lighthouse. Yeah. But the isolation is the, is the, what we're talking about here. It's like these two people are isolated with one another and, Either something mystical is really happening or it's just mental illness brought on by this oppressive isolation and loneliness and, you know, that. I just don't think everyone's like that. If you told me right now, here's a spaceship. It's big. It's as big as your house. It's going to have everything in it. It won't break down. All these cup, all these things are going to be promised and assured. Uh, but you're going to go into space and just keep going. You will, for the next 25 years, have constant and ability to communicate with your loved ones. But you will be alone. I would say 
Sign me up. But these, no offense to you. I love you very much. These two can't communicate with anybody. <laughs> no, but I'm saying that true. I'm just saying for me, though, to be alone. All right. Well, so let's say you can go in this lighthouse that they were in, in the same conditions. It's freezing cold. It's middle of nowhere. You can't communicate with nobody. You're just going to be there for four months. I think I'd be all right. I, I don't think I don't you'd go think mad I'd know in four how months. To- but I wouldn't go mad, and unless I didn't know how to do one of the tasks, like maintain like the heater or the fire or keep my food going, those I would die. Obviously, if I didn't have the ability to do that, that would be my only thing I'd want to know for sure that I could manage. But as far as the aloneness, I I don't. It doesn't give me an immediate like no, never. Whereas my sister who unfortunately has been in jail, in prison in her life. And so for her, that was like, and that's a different situation, but even if she's at home in the back of the house alone, she hates it. And that was before she ever went to jail. Her whole entire life, she hates being alone. So then this movie would be very scary for her. Yeah, the idea of just being alone without another human being right there at your beck and call to be like emotionally supportive and touch and hug and like put your arm around. That's how she is constantly, right? That doesn't, that is not me. (laughs) At all. Right. So I think that w- I would like to see that. Maybe I should just write that story. You know? Yeah. Hmm. So extras on this Blu-ray, there is the uh, making of the lighthouse, which is actually really good. It's not a... Um, yeah, it was good. It's a proper making of in three parts. There's also um, an audio commentary with the director and deleted scenes. So I would recommend if you, that you will see that they build the lighthouse out of wood, which is crazy. Yeah, it's very... It was cool. Uh, and, and film it actually mostly out in the, you know, not in a soundstage, out in the cold weather. Even, um, what did he say? Um, Willem Dafoe stayed in like a remote cabin, like near the set. And Robert Pattinson stayed in the hotel with the crew. Which <laughs> It mentioned that in the thing. So uh, IMDb reviews, what are they? IMDb reviews are, you're going to continue these into 2020? You're so in love with them? Yeah, I found them really funny. These are when you go on IMDb and find one-star reviews for the movie that we have just witnessed. And this is how it works. When we love the movie or appreciate the movie, we think the one-star reviews are ridiculous. When we are not a big fan of the movie, the one-star reviews suddenly make perfect sense. (laughs) Yeah, and with this uh, movie, and here are the two that you're gonna hear, you're gonna read every single time. You if you pick, you could pick a thousand movies, I bet you, and these two things are gonna be in there: worst movie ever made and waste of my life, or give me my two hours back. <laughs> so, um, with this movie, depending on how you feel about it, these one star reviews might be right up your alley. This one says this film is pretentious and overly ambiguous. To appeal to critics and real lovers of film. The movie's only positives are the cinematography and acting. Negatives are you may go mad yourself trying to ascertain what it's about. Hmm. Pretentious. I mean, that's fair. Pretentious that's nonsense fair praised by posers. That's kind of what I was talking about. The poser people are the ones who are like, oh, I totally understand every, every uh, reference to... Every Greek mythological reference to whatever reference, reference. You know what I mean? Those people. Yeah. Well, this guy says, 
you won't understand it because they just threw random stuff in a bucket and then called it a film. But it will win all the awards. Blech. 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 This one says, My boyfriend made me see this movie with him, and now I'm contemplating leaving him because it was that bad. <laughs> well, there's something going on in that relationship before you ever went to see that movie. This guy says, senseless. I can't understand the reviews. First 30 minutes or so-so, but then the rest of the movie, what's even happening? And the next one says, just another dull film pretending to be a masterpiece. Uh, I don't think it's masterpieceful. Masterpieceful? Masterpieceful. (laughs) Do you want to waste two hours of your life? Watch this. Yes, I really do. Thank you. Thanks. (laughs) This movie is very long and really random. Is it supposed to entertain the viewer in any way? This just might be the most boring thing I've ever watched. What a disappointment. Okay, okay. These are not my views, okay. by the way. Then I would want to ask this person, once you felt as though you were being bored, intentionally, I'm sure, by the filmmaker, thinking of you specifically, we want this person to be so bored. So once you've got that vibe, why did you keep watching it? This, this guy says, could be the worst movie I've ever seen. Where the critics come up with some of their ratings is beyond me. I watch six to ten movies a week, and this is easily at the bottom of the list. Only watch it if you want to be depressed. I don't see. I don't find it depressing particularly. Witcher wasn't depressing either. It was just like, or it's the not, witch. I mean, not Witcher. The witch. It's was, not depressing. It's more uh, like, oh, like this. It's claustrophobic, yes, and it is also like tense because you're like, this is a horrible situation. What's going to happen? And it's a bit contemplative. You do think, what would I do? What would I think? What would I imagine? Would I, you know, all that stuff, I think. That's true. So those are the one star um, people for this week. We're not amongst the one star people. I quite like this movie. I think it was. Oh, I'm, a, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not either. I like it. No, I, can't, I like it. I like that movies like this get made that are not. The mainstream movies. But I also like mainstream movies too. Correct. Each has the... I'm just glad people make things that are not in the cookie cutter. This we got to make some money out of a movie. This is what this is. This yeah. is not Because yeah. this is not what this is. This is... I feel like when somebody doesn't like something and they don't want it to then exist, I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't understand that you, in life. If, if you just don't have, it, don't have to deal with it. You know? I feel like those people apply that philosophy to all kinds of things. Politics, religion, people, g- nationalities, you know, ethnicities, races. And so that there's this blanket thing of, um, you know, I don't like it. I want it to, n- I want to snap my fingers and have it no longer exist in the whole world. So I never have to ever be exposed to it ever again. And then I have all my little reasons and my big reasons, whatever. And sometimes, unless it's something that's actually harming someone, you just go, you know what? I don't have to watch that movie ever again. Yeah, exactly. I don't have to talk about it if I don't want to. If I want to talk about it, I don't have to tell the other person they're an idiot for liking it. Even though, you know, we all do it. <laughs> we all, if somebody told me that Catwoman is their very favorite movie of all time, I'd be... or. What was my worst movie of all time? Godzilla of the yeah. last 10 years. If you said to me, oh my God, that movie's so fun. I love it. I'd be like, I'm really trying hard not to judge you. <laughs> yeah. 
but I would. But I still want it to exist. You I mean- don't want. I don't want those movies to stop being made because if you start eliminating all the extremes, if you stop eliminating, if you start eliminating all the, these types of movies because most people will never enjoy it or like it or understand it, and then you start eliminating all the Fast and the Furious because, well, that's just empty calories for your brain and it's a waste of money and resources, then what are you going to end up with? This very flaccid, middle-of-the-road entertainment and art Apply that to everything, music, artwork, video games, everything. Everything that, you know, the layer of life that's entertaining to us. Make it all just blah, because we wouldn't want anyone to have a strong reaction to it. Then, that just sounds awful. Yeah. So, um, thank you to A24 and Lionsgate for letting us review this movie. Next week, we are looking at Joker. Going from this movie to Joker. You're looking forward to that one. Yeah. So uh, movie recommendations. I'm going on the theme of The Lighthouse. So I went for a a movie with Willem Dafoe and a movie with Robert Patterson. And my Willem Dafoe one is The Florida Project, which is a great movie. Yeah. Not 100% because of Willem Dafoe, to be honest. Correct. Correct. More to do with everybody else who's in it. I agree. He did get all the praise, but when you watch it, you're like, why did these other people, why did the main girl not get it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And my other one is High Life, a movie we saw last year with Robert Pattinson. It's a space movie. It's a space movie with a weird sex chair. Remember the sex chair? It's a a very strange movie, um, but again, it's, it's the kind of movie where you watch it and you're like, whoa, that was different. And it's not... Your mainstream movie that everybody would like, but thank God people make those movies. Yeah, because if we, when we were 14, if that came on HBO at two in the morning, we'd both be still watching that movie like yeah. 10 times. Now I wouldn't rewatch it, but back in the day, I'd be like, <laughs> I'm not saying that's a good way to form your little brain, but we, that would totally be a movie that we would be like, oh my God, did you see this movie on HBO? We've got to watch it. Yeah, cool movie. And my recommendations this year, 2020, are going to be one movie from 100 years ago and a movie from 50 years ago. How many movies were made 100 years ago? Uh, there's quite a few on the list for 1920 well, because the teens were... Let's it hope was, there was more than 52. There were. Um, <laughs> there were. I just went through a big, long list. Now, I probably have seen a few because I did take some film classes in college. I didn't recognize any of these off the top of my head, but, you know, it, it was 1920, so... The first one is called April Folly, and I read about it, and it was like the studio put out um, a contest in like a magazine saying they wanted a story to be written for the the actress Marion Davies, who was a big uh, silent film star at the time, and who they wanted a story that was not um, what did it say? Um, da, 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 da. They wanted it to be in no way florid. Writing, I don't know what that means. Florid, F-L-O-R-I-D. So there was a thousand dollar prize to write a script for a big Hollywood movie. I looked it up in today's inflation or whatever. That would be like $12,000 is all. So imagine nowadays in a Hollywood magazine saying we want the next, you know, Lord of the Rings movie to be written for whoever big star. And we're going to give you $12,000 <laughs> and then we're going to make a billion dollar movie out of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so 
April Folly was the name of that one from 1920. And the 1970 movie, which I have seen, is called Two Mules for Sister Sarah. I've seen that one. Yeah, it's like a comedy western with Clint Eastwood and Shirley MacLaine. Yeah. And it's, it's, very, it's very of the 70s, you know, obviously it's 1970. And so April Folly, if you want to go digging around. Now, I couldn't see where you could watch it. It's probably on like um, archive.com or something, but... And then two movies. It might even be on YouTube. Um, it might. It's been out on DVD. Someone does own it, so I uh, don't know. Um, and two mules for Sister Sarah. So for this year, I'm going to stick to this: a hundred year old movie and a fifty year old movie. And there's some pretty interesting ones from 1970. I must say, I was surprised when I started digging because I've already got my list up to like 33 weeks. So I'm doing good. All right. So uh, Ascoli stuff. I've been playing some uh, PS4. Shadow of the Colossus remake. Now, I played the PS3 Shadow of the Colossus remake, which was on the PS3. They took the PS2 game and just upscaled the resolution. It didn't change anything. They just yeah. They just made it work on a 1080p TV, so it didn't look so chunky. Because you know, PS2 back in the day, it was like it, it was it wasn't even 640 by 480. It was like really low resolution. So um, this Shadow of the Colossus remake on the PS4, they redone the entire game. They've made a new engine. They've textured everything with modern 4K textures. And how much... We're, I'm a big fan of Shadow of the Colossus, and you are too, right? Oh, I, it, it made me very excited. So um, this remake, it looks like a modern game. They've I want to be its girlfriend. Yeah, they've much. tweaked the controls so it controls like a modern game because the controls were kind of kind of messy because back in the day, that's kind of how things were, Japanese games. Now it, it controls more like a modern game. It's got trophies. It's the same game if you've already played it. Everything's the same. It just looks like it was made now and not back then, you know? And I think there's something to be said for video games because they do age because of technology, right? I mean, you could say it about a movie. Like, if you go back and watch a movie from 1920... They don't age. They stay the same. It doesn't age because it still looks... It's still totally watchable, but then you'll go and play a game from the PS2 era, and the frame rate's like 25 frames a second, and it's really low resolution, and compared to today's games, it's often hard to... it hasn't aged. You're just comparing it. Right. But because of the unique way video games improve, I think there's something to be said for remastering games like this properly, like where it is modern again. Because you'll get a whole new audience who'll play it who never heard of it. And it also makes it playable again instead of having to drag out an old console and play it that way. Uh, So that's Shadow of the Colossus remake. It's really cheap. It's like $10. It's like the bargain of the year, I think. It's a cool game. Um, I'm, I've also been playing some more Fortnite. They've got a cool uh, winter event going on. They had Star Wars in there. It's kind of cool. And we also, on Netflix, finished watching The Witcher. And you, at me being very familiar with The Witcher and you not being at all, the only reason you watched it is I said, hey, The Witcher's on and it's a video game that I love. And you said, well, I'll try it. Mm-hmm. Or, or I didn't give you a choice, probably. <laughs> no. I have so, no control over the entertainment that is put before so, me, unless I'm watching Bob's Burgers in bed before I go to sleep. But I did say to you, I think you'll enjoy The Witcher because of it. it's it's cool. The, the 
it's a thing. I like that Game you, of Thrones. Yeah, and it's. I'm not comparing. I'm just saying it's you understood that. that I. It's very different, but yeah. I'm. I'm not like some people that you know who hate anything. Period. Right. If you make something look like it's from a different time period. Right. Your friend is like doesn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> so did you enjoy the whole of the? We watched the whole I did. of the Witcher. I really did. And there is going to be another season, and it did. And I thought it was a satisfying ending. Obviously, they had to set up a new season. But um, that last episode with the huge battle and mages doing all the magic, it's pretty cool. Um, I felt like that wasn't that, you know, because it is TV, essentially. Yeah. They have to contain the scope of things quite a lot. So it still felt quite small scale to me, even though I grasped what was, was going on. There was cool magic. That's what mm-hmm. I liked. Some. Like magic, like... Making where the they, mushrooms grow up and yeah, stuff. Yeah, that kind of yeah. stuff. All right, so that's my things for this week. What is for dinner? Well, you know what you request. Oh, yeah. Public Enemy number one now, apparently. Have you seen all the dumb memes? Oh, the good thing about the Impossible... We're having an Impossible Whopper. The good thing about the Impossible Whopper now is you used to have to travel... Oh, yeah. <laughs> like an hour away? No, not an hour. Not an hour away. I mean, it, it took an hour. 20 minutes to get mm-hmm. there, 25 if the lights were against me, and then, of course, they take quite a long time, usually. But now... Now, it's closer. We got a new, basically a new burger. And here's my commentary on the current onslaught of attacks on the Impossible Whopper. If you haven't seen them, not just the anything that's. Well, this is specifically Impossible Whopper. Oh, specifically, it's got too much estrogen. It's gonna make men grow boobs. It is made out of stuff from dog food. All kinds of bullshit. Now, if you want to believe it, this is the same thing we were just talking about. If you don't want to eat an Impossible Whopper. Don't eat it. Don't fucking tell me not to eat it. I've been vegetarian for 10 years. I do my research. We look at the ingredients. We look at the company. We dig as deep as we can. We try the food. I do trust on some level. (laughs) Not everything. But, you know, I'm like, I'm one of those people too. Like, if it doesn't kill me, maybe it'll make me stronger. But I do trust on some level that this food wouldn't get through the whole process of becoming accessible to the public If it was going to kill us all, if you think that, then you need to stop drinking alcohol, stop drinking soda, stop eating things with, yeah, meat, stop eating anything with sugar in it, stop eating everything that you don't fucking grow in your own yard under your own little control. And you're not doing that, I'm pretty sure, I don't know for a fact, but don't tell me what to eat or try to imply that what I'm eating offends you because I don't care if you eat meat. We don't care. We ate a lot of meat for 40 years. A lot. I love meat. I still love the memory of some meats, but I have zero desire. I've never missed it. I don't want it. I stopped for health reasons, and then it just... And just so you know, my cholesterol dropped by half. We both lost weight at the time. All kinds of good things happened to my blood and my, you know, physical things that were going on. Um... So I don't have a desire to eat it again. But if you sat right in front of me, like my friends do and my family, everyone I love and are cherish, you could eat barbecued dog in front of me. I don't know why you'd be eating a barbecued dog, but it is your choice as long as you weren't cruel to the dog in front of me. I don't care. I don't like animals, but I will not allow cruelty to animals. I'm a very weird person. Like I would never have a pet. (laughs) But I tell dogs and cats, like, when I go to people's houses and they're like, oh, don't, no, stay away from her. She doesn't like animals. I'll look at them and go, I'll tell you this. I'm the only person in this room who's not eating animals anymore. Just keep that in mind. And the dogs look at me like, 
she, what's she saying to me? <laughs> like, if the shit hit the fan, they might throw you on the barbecue, my friend. Not me. I'll, I'll go eat the grass. I don't care. But so, so the the attack on the Impossible Whopper is it feels like a very calculated thing. It is this weird thing of, I don't want to eat it. I am offended by it. And therefore I don't want it to exist. I don't appreciate that because I wouldn't do that to anyone else. I don't want to take away anyone's right to eat whatever they want. I really don't. You could eat butter every day, all day for all I care. I wouldn't want you to, because it might cause you health problems, but it's your choice. That's what it's all about. And if 10 years down the road we find out the Impossible Whopper is terrible for us, we'll just have to all turn around and go, oh, yeah, what about all the other terrible things I'm like lo- soda? I'm looking forward to growing a nice pair of boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it does like a like a slow lift job on a 50-year-old woman. I'll go for it. Yeah. I just think... In 10 years, you'll, when I have to wear a bra, you'll be like, I told you. We shouldn't have had that. And my, see, I've had a full hysterectomy in my life. If everything grows back, I'll be like, holy shit, this is the miracle, the miracle of the 21st century. We've eaten enough Impossible Whoppers. So that's my long thing about the food. All right. And you're, uh, let's get out of it. What's your um, advice? Yeah. And you told me not to have advice. You told me I needed to have advice. So today I went shopping at a store I've never been to, all kinds of interesting things. And... Found a few items. I was like, ooh, I'd like to taste that. I want to try that. Quince paste and some weird cheese um, thing that I'd never heard of. Bread cheese. And I'm like, oh, God, but look at the price. You know, it's $7 for this and $5 for that. And then I thought, if I want to try a thing and I have $5, not everyone does. And I'm faced with it. I'm like, I just really want to taste it and try it. Who knows? It could become my favorite food, right? I don't know. It could be disgusting and I'll end up not eating it. But I like exploring. You and I both do. So my advice would be, if you have $5, you know, and that seems like a small amount to you on a shopping day when you see something that interests you and you're like, oh, I don't know. Because if I don't like it, I'll have to throw it away. You don't have to throw it away. You can always give it to someone who else, someone else who will try it. That's what I do. I take it to work. People at work will try anything and eat it. So right. if you have $5 to spend extra, Buy something you've never eaten before. And I'm specifically focusing on food on this one because, I don't know, it's fun. We had a nice little snack there with some quince paste and some weird crackery things that you don't like, but I really liked. What were they called? Wafer cracker. Wafer water wafer. Water biscuits, I believe they're called. Something, but they're really yummy. I loved it. So, And it's not a big deal. Do it once a year. I mean, what's five bucks, right? You, you might buy coffee for $5 a cup, but true. you might look at something in the store and go, well, I'm not spending $5 on that little packet of weird cheese. But then put it in perspective, you might be like, oh, that could be an adventure. All right. So you can catch this podcast. Hey, I've got news for everybody. You do. Mm-hmm. Can I, you can catch this podcast now on Google Play, iTunes. You can also catch it on iHeartRadio and... Finally, bum, bum, bum. you can catch it on Spotify. We've been added to the Spotify listings this week, and we're Fine. live on Spotify. You can also ask your smart speaker, play the After the Show movie podcast on Spotify. You can also say, play it on iHeartRadio. It will play it, whichever one you mention, which is cool. So you can listen to it anywhere you want. You can listen to it on Android, iTunes, 
We cater for all of you. <laughs> I'm so glad we're on Spotify. It took so long. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? It's worth it. Um, you can also catch us on social media. Email feedback to me at ascully, ascully.com. Don't email Sid Talk. She really doesn't like any of you. She hates you. That isn't true. That's a lie. But hey, if you want to believe the lies, go for it. True. Um, <laughs> and stay classy. The men in the lighthouse. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't go crazy next time you get... Oh, maybe there won't be a next time. And I'm going to say think for yourself. Because if you don't do it, someone will. Or they might be doing it already for you. <laughs>